You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I have a pretty long and lengthy bucket list of things I want to do in sports, and very fortunate in life to achieve most of those. Whether it's going to a venue or winning a championship in almost every one of my sports, and I have only a few left. No, I, I haven't been to the Rose Bowl yet. I haven't been to a game in Notre Dame, you know, things like that. But I was able to cross something off the list tonight. I was able to attend a sporting event with Nikki Snacks. And let me tell you something. I highly recommend it. The, the, are the rumors true? The rumors are true. You all follow him on Twitter. We love the guys. Friend of the show. Our tailgating buddy. Friend for life. He's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> all I can say is if you're if you're uh, if you're friends with him on Twitter, DM him, say, listen, I want to go to, you know, a Nick game, a giant game, a Ranger game, a Yankee game. I believe he's a Yankee fan. You got to go because he's the best. And I have not had more fun at a, at a game in a long time. I also hope that the Knicks won, which, you know, mostly I go to games and my teams lose, but he's awesome. So for everybody out there and for you, Snacks, great time tonight, buddy. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he may also be the good luck charm. It might be that you have to go to every game with him, every Knicks game, you know. It's, it's, it's a possibility. <laughs> I don't know if the crowd can handle it. <laughs> um, well, that's their problem, not ours. <laughs> so we have to jump into an early episode this week uh, because the general manager search is on in the wake of Dave Gettleman's retirement. Um, the Giants did not wait too long to get started with interviews uh from my understanding I, or at least i i don't even from my understanding any of this uh i would have to guess that with the amount of interviews that they scheduled so quickly that they had been in talks with multiple people they had been conducting this search and they should have been because we all knew dave gentleman was going to retire if anything we're surprised he was here for four years instead of three um well- Rob, do you feel like every team is always like talking to agents and back channel about even if someone's not on a hot seat or looking to retire or something? You think that all these teams are always kind of like have their, you know, put their thumb in the air and say, oh, this guy might be interested or available or something. Or you think it's just something where or the Giants, they would probably start the conversations in the middle of the season because they knew they were going to make a change. Well, I. I mean, you're asking two separate questions entirely. I don't think that's a yeah. poor scenario. I think, I think you're right. I think it's more of an end. Yeah, an yeah. It's it's it's. I think definitely the Giants because they knew Dave Gettleman was going to retire, and I don't think he was ever going to be a long-term hire, partly because of his age, and also because of his health. Um, they, I don't think he was ever supposed to be a long-term hire anyway. So they, I think, were already tapped into which direction they needed to go, and and guys that were moving up in the league. But I think in general, yeah, I think. I think guys recognize when franchises turn around and they look at that and they're like, what the hell happened over there? And then they, they hear a name and they, you know, they, they keep an eye on people and they, 
Yeah, obviously these guys talk in the same profession. It's the same as any other specialized field. Now, now I don't want to linger on this too far because I know we have a lot to cover tonight, but I have one follow-up question for you. Mm -hmm. If Gettleman was never thought of it as a long-term solution, a long-term GM, the expectation to me would be they're probably grooming somebody from the inside to come and replace him. So do you think that, you know... This, this plan was scrapped because of just how poorly this has and because of the outside noise of the fan base revolting if they picked another guy from within or do you think just everything just went so badly from this regime or because of they wanted you – know, Judge up until yesterday wanted a say in the decision, didn't want inside. What do you think changed direction? Because they, if, if you think it was a short-term thing in which we all kind of thought that at the time – they should have a secession place. They just should have implemented the secession plan, and they didn't. Um, I think it has to do with the perception entirely. Uh, I think it was Kevin Abrams from the beginning, but it could have been anybody from within. But I think it was Kevin Abrams because, A, I don't know what Kevin Abrams does. He has been claimed to do just about everything from cap management to cap specialty to – uh, free agent negotiations all the way down to oh he just watches college film and scouts people now so like his his area of, of responsibility has covered throughout his career it seems just about everywhere he's a name that's brought up all the time dating back to Reese because of his work on contracts and stuff like that it seemed like they probably wanted him to take over after Reese but because of the way Reese's tenure just fell apart um and put them in this sort of situation, I think they felt that to get out of that spot, they needed somebody with experience. They didn't want a new guy to grow, so they brought in Gettleman, and that was supposed to be the transition, the gap into Kevin Abrams, the grooming process there. I mean, they even trotted him out for a press conference where he was the most boring guy on the planet this <laughs> offseason. I mean, we had never even seen his face as far as I had no idea what that guy looked like or sounded like. Um, and it really seemed like that was the plan. And, and you know, obviously they went into this season with, with really high expectations. We all kind of did come into this season with, you know, 500 or better expectations, which we haven't had in years. So this seemed like the, the point where we were going to become a winning team that might sneak in as a wild card. And then Dave Gettleman can re retire off into the sunset feeling triumphant about himself for patting himself on the back for whatever he may have done, and Kevin Abrams can take over, and then the two young guys and Joe Judge and Kevin Abrams can push this vision into the future. I think that was the whole plan. And I don't know what Kevin Abrams does, so I don't know how much at fault he is for anything in this organization at all, um, but I think the external view of just how toxic and screwed up the inside is there there was just no way that they could justify to the fan base that they were going to implement the plan they had all along because even if you pitch it that way it sounds like everything you've planned all along has fallen apart anyway so why would you mm -hmm. continue with that succession plan so Agreed. he he actually i believe it was reported he had an interview and then it was rescinded basically like a day later or maybe hours later Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That's how I view it. I mean, I could be right or wrong. But anyway, um, the it. Giants have cast an extremely wide net, and I'm going to run through about half of them, and then Cranky Fan's going to run through about half of them. Just as like a disclaimer, it's really difficult to tell what these guys are responsible for in their organizations. Some things they brag about, other things they don't, and I try 
my best not to believe exactly what is bragged about. So I just kind of took a quick look at what their responsibilities were, what they did in their career, and then, you know, what those organizations did. Because the one thing that I think is clear between all of these guys, Joe Shane in Buffalo, Monty Ossenfort in Tennessee, Ryan Poles in Kansas City, Cowden in Tennessee, Joe Hortis in Baltimore, Adrian Wilson in Arizona, Quentin Harris in Arizona, Adam Peters and Rand Carthen in San Francisco, all of those organizations have very recently quickly turned themselves around with the exception of Baltimore, which has kind of always been steady. They weren't really ever truly in the dumps. Um, but they did have a couple of crappy years in that transition out of Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing I noticed across all candidates. The other one is that they're all really young. I think the oldest is 43 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, so is, which, it, which is one of the things that we've been talking about. That we, you know, one of the themes of our gripes in the season was, let's become a 21st century team. So having young guys who you know live and breathe a new way to play the game – is helpful. No more guys that are older than Cranky Van anymore, and that's probably healthy. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, I guess, I guess, I always want the best guy. I wouldn't rule out, you know, the hottest name in sports at general manager just because he's an older guy. But I think it's clear that they want to head into a younger direction because the entirety of thinking in that place is is prehistoric. Um, so they cast guys. this wide net, and uh, this is who they've corralled. Yeah, guys that you know have been around a while, 30, 40 years in this league, unless you're someone like Bill Belichick, are not the hottest names in the league and, you know, in these searches anyway. So it's fine. So the, the first name to pop up was a very common one. Um, he's already interviewed at this point. Is Buffalo assistant general manager Joe Shane. He's 42 years old. Um, he has a very interesting story, and he's my top pick out of all this. By the way, I'm not at all an expert, so my top pick means diddly. So, um, but but from 2014 to 2017, he was scouting player personnel and operations with the Miami Dolphins. In that time, they've drafted guys like Jawan James, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Jordan Phillips, Jay Ajayi, Laramie Tunsil, Xavier Howard, Kenyon Drake. Um, then, you know, he, he's 2017, he does the NFL draft with the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo does their NFL draft with their front office. And that following Monday or whatever, they fire everybody in Buffalo. Everyone. Head coach, front office, gone. They hire Brandon Bean, and the first thing Brandon Bean does is he grabs Joe Shane. They go in there, and this is a gutted front office that they had to completely rebuild. And that is... The sole reason why Joe Shane is my pick, because I think that's the situation that we're in right now, is needing to go to the store and purchase shovels to shovel everything out of that place and start over. And no one that I know of has the experience that Joe Shane does in helping Brandon Bean with that. So they went in there and they built a scouting department, analytics department. They had to build everything from the floor up and look at them now. Um, you know, 2018, they make a lot of draft day trades and picks. They draft Josh Allen, Tremaine Edwards, uh, Edmonds, Harrison Phillips, Wyatt Teller. Um, 2019, they start getting more active in free agency. They draft more guys, Devin Singletary, you know, Dawson Knox, Cody Ford. Then they're in the playoffs already. 2019. 2019, they, they, they finished 10-6 and six and they've, they lost the wild card game. And, you know, right from there, 2020, they go out and they trade for uh, some draft picks for Diggs. 
you know, team finishes 13-3. and They lose a championship game. I mean, I don't think I need to say much more about Joe Shane to, to tell you that he was part of something very big that happened in Buffalo. Um, and it happened all the way from the foundation. I, I don't know. And to me, that is the number one uh, selling point on Joe Shane. And kind of reading the tea leaves, too, it sounds like someone that uh, you know, the Giants are very, very interested in. You know, I think my rule of thumb always is usually the first guy who gets interviewed is usually the one he's the favorite. And they want to evaluate other people after the first one to see if, you know, they meet to that standard or they impress even more. Um, you know, who knows what the what – the, what the backstory is and was kind of we were discussing before what what kind of back channel communications were for these guys before this day has happened you know is this interview been the first interview has been other conversations before um but whole position of being the first guy in and kind of what you're talking about makes me makes him to me i think my my top choice as well uh of note is that he interviewed for the panthers job last year and didn't get it but i mean that's i mean he has Probably the shortest tenure of any of these guys. I mean, 2014 is, is really when it all started for him in terms of front office stuff. So that's pretty uh, pretty quick. Um, moving forward is a guy that was popular, uh, I would say, before Joe Judge got fired, but is still a popular name, is Monty Ossenfort. He's currently Tennessee's director of player personnel, 43 years old. I say currently because he hasn't been in Tennessee that long at all, like 2020. Before that, he's a through-and-through through New England guy, and I do not understand how New England is as successful as they are with the drafts that they had. I mean, it just blows my mind going through their draft classes year after year is that they will just absolutely nail a draft where they hit all these guys in the middle and late rounds that no one else saw, and they'll follow it up with two years of complete head-scratchers at first round. <laughs> I mean... Very strange. So this is one of the main reasons why I was not very high on Monty Austin for it. I remain not very high on him, especially since in New England, it seems like Bill Belichick does quite a bit of the work there anyway um, and seems to have some universal authority to overrule everyone. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not trying to, to shit on the guy. I'm sure he's been very involved in, in all of the success that's been there in New England. You know, as the assistant director of college scouting all the way back in 2012 and then you know, promoted to college scouting in director of college scouting in just two years. That's that's very significant, and it says something about Bill Belichick promoting him that quickly. Um, you know, he just kind of makes a lateral move to Tennessee in 2020 to become the director of player personnel there, and uh, you know they were kind of already successful when he got there, which is kind of he's not really part of that turnaround group that I was saying before about all these franchises. Tennessee certainly did turn around. But not really under Monty Ford. That turnaround had already started. I think, you know, as much you know, Giants fatigue as Giant fans have now with you know keeping everything in the organization and you know within the Giant family, the other fatigue that Giant fans are having is Patriot fatigue. I agree, and so, I think that's why he's no longer popular. And I and think I, that was supposed to be a matchup with Judge, probably. Yeah, and I think that you know if you are really not only cleaning house, but you want to completely change perception of this organization and its future and you're you know not doing things the same old same old i think you have to ease up on the trying to build new england south here and yes he, he, he you know 
has that background with New England, but I just think if you're making a clean slate starting over again, I don't think you go with ties for New England at all. Well, I'm going to ask you something completely different. Do you think the fact that, well, I mean, we're assuming, right? But I think it's a fair assumption that the Monty Austin Fort interview request is linked to Joe Judge's head coach, right? With all their time in New England together from 2012 through 2019, right? I think that's a good assessment. Well, I mean, the reason I ask that is because what what are your thoughts on the fact that that almost guarantees that they were not even sure what to do about Joe Judge until like yesterday morning or late the night before? Yeah. Well, we we talked about this at great length yesterday that we think that something happened. This wasn't a planned decision. It kind of, you know, after he survived Black Monday and he was gone on Tuesday, something changed. And yeah, I mean, I think they were making preparation. And we don't know for a fact that that link is actually there. No, we don't. I mean, I I don't, I haven't seen anything in any research that had linked them as, you know, more of a bond beyond just the years New England. Like I, I didn't see if they were at the same school together or anything. Well, I mean, they were at New England at the same time. That's true. For, for but, like seven years. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, uh, I am. Yeah, I, I think it's very possible. Uh, but they're still interviewing him, right? I guess they didn't. So, yeah. They, yeah. they didn't. I mean, they I don't didn't think they, they I don't think they're going to cancel anything. No, I think they'll they'll go through with it. But I I just I don't when I like I said there's there's a clear pattern here of young guys and rebuilding franchises. All of these guys are from like I'm not sure that there's any other franchise in the last five years that's turned around that they missed out on. Tennessee, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Arizona. Is there yeah. another one? Uh, maybe maybe the Rams. Maybe Cleveland. Maybe. We're going to talk about the Rams in a little bit when we get into my my yeah. uh, breakdowns. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not, not the a Rams. huge fan of Monty Osmond. Okay. I'm um, not a fan either then. <laughs> I, I'm going to slide down to the guy who I do like at Tennessee, and that's Ryan Cowden, the Tennessee vice president of player personnel. He is only 43 years old, and he is the number two man behind John Robinson. Now, important that John Robinson is a New England guy as well, but then again, so is Mike Vrabel. Um, again, I think this perception thing with the New England is going to factor against Ryan Cowden, but I'm I'm going to do him the justice of a legit interview here, or as far as I can give. It's uh, pretty funny. On this show. Yeah. We're kind of dumping on New England, and New England has been the most successful team for the last twenty years. You know, yeah. it's just—it's really funny that you know it's just a—it's just a complete perception thing, and a reliance on going to the well over and over over any accomplishment that that organization's done. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big in. I'm not big into that coaching tree failure success thing. I think every person is themselves, and I mm-hmm. think you learn something from everybody. I, I don't buy into that stuff, and I know the Patriot way is something that is uh, usually brought with coaches when they leave there. And uh, I, I, I mean, I could go on a rant about that and my thoughts on it, but it's it's uh, the Patriot way. The, the bottom line is get a great coach and get a great quarterback. In a way, I, 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 yeah, I, I can't even because there's so much easy formula to say about it. But uh, I'm not going to oh, – what happened with my webcam here? I'm all out of focus. There we go. Um, <laughs> so so Ryan Cowden, I'm going to give him the benefit of a, a real 
interview here. So he worked in Carolina for 16 years from 2000 to 2015. So think about this. He's 43 years old. He was already working in 2000 in the league. Um, so, I mean, he is – that is doing? right out of what school, doing, man. What was he doing in 2000? Selling Cokes? I mean, what was he doing? Um, I, I, he was a scouting assistant. So, I mean, that first year there, you know, he doesn't do any real scouting work. But he's in the room. He kind of learns around the guys while he – yes, he serves them Coke and cleans things up, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, but he's also probably right out of college. Uh, he's probably like mm-hmm. a graduate's assistant or something like that. So he's probably like 22. Um, right. I'm not really going to do the math right now on this guy, and I don't care how easy it is because of the round numbers, okay? Um, so he was a Southeast scout for, for a little while, then bumped up to National Scout, Senior College Scout, and then Assistant Director of College Scouting there. Um, and then, you know, then he moves to Tennessee, and that's where I kind of want to focus a little bit here, and that's when he was the Director of Player Personnel in 2016 and 2017. So the reason I say that is because they finished 9-7 and seven in 2016. Uh, he came with the new GM. They drafted guys we know like Jake Conklin, um, Dodd, Austin Johnson, Derek Henry, Kevin Bayard. Um, 2017, again, 9-7. More guys that they draft. Adoree Jackson, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, uh, Taewon Taylor. These are these are important names. 2018, again, 9-7. They're staying steady despite switching out of front office. It's pretty impressive right on its face. Um, in 2018, he's promoted to the vice president of player personnel, and that's when they hire Mike Rabel. Nine and seven again. Uh, 2019, that's when they finish nine and seven, but they go to the playoffs. Guys drafted like AJ Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, um, and then from there, I mean, 2020 and 2021 is recent history. Um, the only thing I would say, they drafted Isaiah Wilson in the first round, which was as big of a miss as you could as you could make. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, again, with our limited knowledge of what these guys actually do and everything, I mean, that sounds like a a qualified candidate, at least, you know, to, to go in and to speak to. Yeah. The way I see it is you have a, a team that f- finished three and 13. They they fire the head coach and the GM. They bring in John Robinson, who immediately brings in. Uh, Ryan Cowden and they're nine and seven for four straight years and in that fourth year they they lose in the AFC championship game then they're 11 and five and 12 and five in the next two years I mean that's really truly turning a franchise around very quickly shit do you know what the Giants fans would do if they won nine games next year (laughs) Giants Twitter would be unbearable to the rest of the league for the amount of arrogance for a nine win team trust me It become Nick's Twitter. It's the same thing. You know, it's the, <laughs> the team that finally makes the playoffs for the first time in 160 years. And they're and they all pouring just... beers in each other's mouths. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so next guy, Ryan Poles, Kansas City's executive director of player personnel, 36 years old. Holy moly, that is basically me. Think about that. God. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and this is another guy that's been working for a really long time. 2009, chief scouting assistant. So he's two years older than me. That means he was literally right out of school. Yep. And you're and you're doing a podcast and he's interviewing to be a GM. How about that? Different career paths. <laughs> one of us pissed in the wind and one pissed in the right direction. What do you want from me? <laughs> I, he's doing a job and I'm doing a show about that job. That's All what's right. really happening here. Well, the world needs ditch diggers too, so <laughs> – What's the line from Departed? The world needs plenty of bartenders? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you hate good movies. I love uh, Departed. I, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, 
This is, I mean, the Chiefs are a storied franchise where they they had a lot of trouble, you know, from 2009 on. I mean, they were really successful in the beginning, and then they had those like dredges years. Um, but they never I, I mean, felt like they were. They never felt like they were ever awful, though, right? No, and 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 Ryan Poles is really credited. This is probably my number two guy. Is Ryan Poles? Um, he's credited with a lot of stuff, and they drafted Eric Berry. Um, they drafted Rodney Hudson, Justin Houston, Alan Bailey, Don Terry Poe, um, Eric Fisher, Travis Kelsey, Niall Davis. Travis Kelsey, I mean, and he's still there. That was 2012 he was drafted. He's still with his first team. Eric Berry, I mean, had he not been injured, right? Um, Eric Fisher, D. Ford, Demarcus Peters. Uh, Demarcus, Marcus Peters, Mitch Morse, Chris Conley, Stephen Nelson, DJ Alexander, James O'Shaughnessy, and Raheem Nunez Roches were all from the 2015 draft class. It's solid. That's insane. And then, of course, 2017, they move up to draft uh, Mahomes. They get Kareem Hunt, Tano Passano. Um, you know, there's some there's some misses in here, man. I mean, there's a first round pick on Breland Speaks. There's um, always misses. Yeah, I there's mean, always that's... misses. But, you know, as he's moved up and now as as of 2019 was promoted to executive director of player personnel. So now just not – he's not just scouting college guys and he's not just in charge of college guys. This is everything. So this includes all the free agent guys that he's assisting to bring in like Tyron Matthew, Bashad uh, Breland, um, you know, things like that. Coleccio Semele, Mike Remmers, when they went in and they, they – did all that work to clean out their offensive line this past year. What what people are lauding Kansas City for and going out and drafting Creed Humphrey and uh, Trey Smith in this draft uh, to make up for what they had, what would they blame the Super Bowl loss on? Um, I think that this guy is probably the most qualified to be a general manager. I think he has learned under the right guys uh, with Pioli and, and Dorsey and Veach. I think he knows how to wheel and deal. I think he, in addition to that, he knows how to scout college players really well. He knows how to build a team um, and how to build franchise players like your Patrick Mahomes, who was going to be a Kansas City royalty for forever. And, you know, um, Travis Kelsey, who's probably never going to have to pay for a meal in, in Kansas City or maybe half the Midwest for the rest me, of his life. Here's my one question I have about, you know, a guy from a, a place like Kansas City where Andy Reid is a very, I would say, probably an involved head coach in drafting, player acquisition, those type of things. Um, how much, how involved is Andy Reid in that? Because we are probably going to be hiring a coach that will not be nearly as involved. So that might be, you know, what he's what doing. You say that. Why I would mean, we be hiring a coach that is less involved? Well, I mean, I mean, unless we're going out big game hunting and getting somebody like you know who, who wants, if not total controls, and want a major say. I mean, I think kind of the names we've seen on the early list are young coaches, young guys, a lot of assistants. You know, nobody. I don't think anybody's going to go in with the. There's I, nobody I here with GM experience uh, that I, I, unless they added somebody to the list that I'm unaware of. Everybody here has never been a general manager at any point. So I agree with right. what you're saying. Well, my only thing – the only reason I say that is because who's to say that if Ryan Poles is hired that he doesn't want to hire a coach that's very involved in the process or something like that? Oh, no, that's, no, that's, not, 
Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, just cut from the early list of the possible, again, a lot of that's rumors. There's been no interview set up. There's no GM to set those interviews up. You know, no, some of the, the interviews are set up. We just don't know all of them yet. We don't know. For head coaches? Oh, head coaches. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking sorry. about for head coaches. What, yeah. I, what I'm saying is, you know, he's worked under an organization where the head coach has probably will have more influence than what we will have coming up with the Giants. Unless we somehow manage to get a guy like a Jim Harbaugh going to come in and say, I want a significant say in things. So it might be a little bit of a different hierarchy or different influence base here than what he's used to in Kansas City. That's all I'm kind of saying. It's not yeah. a deal breaker, but it might be a little different than what he's used to now. The yeah, way the so room is, the way the, the way the, the way the war room is set up, the way the you know those conversations happen. One of the things that that he falls behind on for me, like I said, he he seems the most prepared to be a general manager, but he doesn't have what I consider like a heavy hand in rebuilding. Um, mm-hmm. I, I understand that the team went from two and fourteen to eleven and five, and immediately went to the playoffs, but that was like you said, that was the year they hired Andy Reid. So I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to justify that with like, oh, the guy who's been here for four years uh, really, really influenced that turnaround. I really don't think that's true. And I do think Andy Reid is very involved in the process. Right. Um, I, I think there's no question about that. Um, but I, I don't think a, a lot of people uh, give a lot of credit to this particular guy in the organization. Uh, to me – 30, I don't want to say 36 is too young to do this, but he's moving very fast, and I would like to see him as an assistant GM, like as an official title, for a couple of years before. You know, he's just still he's an executive director of player personnel at this point. You know, that's the mm-hmm. way I see it. And like I said, he doesn't have what Joe Shane has, where he literally went in there with shovels and and uh, cleaned house and started over. Right. Um, he has I, – I don't know how much this, experience he has. This is not going to be an easy on-the-job training position for anybody who comes into this role unless unless a dark horse comes in that we're unaware of that's already done the job. And Do you think it's – I mean you said that none of these guys have GM experience before. Does that concern you at all? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't. I, I don't think so. I think I, – um, I don't know. I think I think that's something that is not too difficult if you have supporting staff around you in terms of, you know, you might flub here or there with some of your free agent stuff. But, I mean, ultimately, the, I don't think – it's not like we have a ton of money to throw around anyway. So you're kind of forced into being frugal for a while. Um, I, I, and, it's, and it's – you know, that, you know what? That's a good question. Um, maybe it is really important, but it's very clear that the Giants went after people who have scouting backgrounds, um, mm-hmm. very involved in scouting players and yes. coming up through those ranks. So, you know what? That's a good question. I, me personally, I think that that's something that a lot of assistants can help you learn on the job and get better at that in terms of you know the more GM things. And I think you learn that just by being in the room as you've risen through the ranks anyway. Um I think if that's the direction they want to go, that's completely fine. But I would maybe throw one or two guys in the interview process, even just to – if you really don't have any intention of hiring unless your your socks are knocked off in an interview, get a different perspective during these conversations because you know the mayors are trying to make the right decision. You know, we, we, you know, They're talking to a lot of candidates. They're trying to evaluate each one. What is the best one that they need for this role? 
they want to get as much information as they can so they can make the most informed one. And they need they need kind of in their head what are the markers they need for what satisfies what they're looking for too. So I don't know if it is necessarily – it wouldn't be a bad thing to just even have a couple guys to, to speak to even if you really have no intention to hire them just for getting a different perspective on, on the job and what – you know, just a thought. I, um, I just had a random thought here. Um, so I was just uh, I was thinking about what I had just said and that like all these guys have this scouting background only really a lot of them with the exception of Shane um, who does have assistant general manager experience and like I said they completely rebuilt the front office so he has he has some serious experience with doing some stuff um, but all these guys have scouting backgrounds and I was thinking like my, my cynical grump self was like what do, you, what do you care if these guys got a scouting background if you've got your nephew in, involved in the scouting and, and, and your brother's involved in the scouting and all the scouting seems to be filled with drama and high school kids. Um, so what do you care if this guy is a scouting? He's just going to be corrupted by your corrupt scouting department anyway. And then I thought, okay, let's look on the bright side. Maybe you're getting a guy with a scouting background to help clean out the scouting room. Mm-hmm. I'll try and look at it with a positive light because I've been an asshole on Twitter for about 48 hours now and I got to cut that. You've been an asshole on Twitter for quite a while. I, I've been I've been uh, frustrated with Mara for, for about 48 hours. To well, let's, lightly. Well, well, let's also temper our expectations that that cleanup of the Skying Department will happen after this draft. Probably. I mean, it's too late now. You are going, you know, he, whoever the GM who comes in here, whenever the head coach who comes in here, they're going to have to play the hand that they're dealt with for this because you're too far along in the process. You're too far along with evaluations. You're too far along with everything. Now, this new GM can come in and fire you know, everyone on Monday. It, that's possible. But again, if you're trying to really start from the ground up, the clock is ticking. I mean, when is the, you know, the senior bowl is coming up in. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I mean, the Monday after the draft. Just oh, 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 yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. And that's been done before. You mentioned it, I think, in Buffalo that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, don't think that once, you know, the guy who's hired comes in, all of a sudden the cleaning house starts and you're going to have to deal with, you know, the evaluations and, you know, formulating that big board for this year. And it's just hopeful that that GM looks upon his vision going forward with these tools he has to work with now. Tools meaning, you know, literally these guys are tools and they're also tools. But nicely done. Yeah. You hit me with the catastrophe pun yesterday, and then that the the double entendre with tool. I mean, you've got this whole uh, you've got this whole arsenal of literary work. Hey, don't say arsenal to a Tottenham guy, please. So don't oh, hear that. Oh, sorry. I yeah. Ruined, ruined our fun. Uh, yeah. Last guy I checked out was Joe Hortiz from Baltimore. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm saying Hortiz. That's what I'm going with for now. He's their director of player personnel. He's been there since 1998, um, and he has really, really worked up the ranks. Again, he gets a lot of credit within this organization for things. And Baltimore is a very successful franchise that had a kind of recent turnaround. Um, But, you know, in his young years, um, you know, Ben Grubbs was a first-round pick out of his focus area from scouting. Um, In... 2009, he was promoted to the director of college scouting, um, in which time he drafted Michael Orr, Paul Kruger, Ladarius Webb. Um, over the course of his time, director of college scouting, they have went to the playoffs multiple times, 
and they drafted guys like Ed Dixon, Dennis Pitta, Art Jones, Jimmy Smith, Tory Smith, Pernell McPhee, Terod Taylor, Courtney Upshaw, Kalechi Assemele, Bernard Pierce, Matt Elam, Brandon Williams, Kyle yeah. Juszczyk, Ricky Wagner, CJ Mosley, Timmy Jernigan, Rashad Perriman, Zarius Smith, Darren Waller, Ronnie Stanley, Matt Judon, Marlon Humphrey, Tyus Bowser, and then, of course, Hayden Hurst, Lamar Jackson, Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews. I mean, Baltimore has hit home run after home run in the draft, and a lot of that goes to Ozzie Newsome. But this man has risen through the ranks, and a lot of people credit him with a lot of the stuff. Like, I mean, they, they say right up, like, at, when, when he took over as a national scout that year, seven of their ten draft picks were from his side of the country where he scouted and that included Ray Rice, Joe Flacco, etc. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I I really do like this guy as well. I think that he has just, a real I was gonna say I was gonna say what are the negatives for him because why is I, it I mean I really don't have one other than, you know, a lot of people credit Ozzie Newsom with being a very good general manager, um, especially in the draft. But I to me, the draft is about scouting first and you have to rely on your scouts. Now Ozzie Newsom may be very good at moving up and down the draft board and trading around and, and knowing when to strike and when when to sit back and not reach or anything like that. And that's or, that's wonderful or to, stuff. And also but, to evaluate, you know, your scouting department does an excellent job of evaluation, but your general manager ultimately is the one who has to take that and prioritize and come up with his big board. I mean, the right. scouts don't do the big board. They just give you the, the tools to make the big board. So that's the difference. Yeah. So – um, he's been their director of player personnel since 2019. Um, you know, I think really if it, since then they've been 14 and two, 11 and five, and then this year is just kind of a wash of a year for them mm-hmm. um, with the injuries that they've had to deal with, etc. Um, I mean, I I would be pretty pretty okay with Joel Ortiz. I think this is a guy that probably has a lot of the skills needed to be a general manager. Again. I don't really see where he fits in as part of that house cleaning kind of skills. But again, that's a really specific issue that the Giants have. And that's a very rare trait that's going to be found among these GM candidates. So it can't be a sticking point. I think Joe Hortiz has a legit shot to win this job. Uh, Though for me, like I said, Joe Shane is at the front for me. So the bottom line is for the guys that you evaluated, there's nobody out there that you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like the same feeling that most Giant fans had when we hired Dave Gettleman. There's nobody out there that's a, a red flag, don't hire this guy type of guy, right? It's I, mean, all... I think there's a red flag guy and it's Monty Austin for it, but it's not like, oh, God, why are they interviewing this guy? I get it. But if they hired him among these candidates, I would be pretty pissed. But again – that's just conjecture, and I, I don't know. I have a bad feeling about it. I'll say it that that way. Okay. I, um, I nothing why stands out. Tell me to... about your your guys here. Yeah, nothing. I guess nothing really stood out to me for any of those that like. Oh no, don't make this move. So no, no, I wouldn't yeah. say so. Okay, so what I did was I evaluated three guys. I evaluated Adam Peters, Rank Carthon, Adrian Wilson, and what I did, I took a little bit of a slightly different approach. Um, I looked at each of the rosters of the teams that these guys were involved with over the last six, seven years. Um, you know, either their current job where they are or where they were previously was still relevant. So basically what I did was I looked at the, the current active roster 
you know, including everybody in injured reserve. And I wanted to see how player development worked with these teams. So as I went through, and let's start with, and using the baseline, I guess, is with the Giants. So for example, for the Giants on their, this is all these numbers are coming from profootballreference.com. Giants have currently, as of right now, 77 guys on their roster, which includes guys that are on injured reserve and, and things like that. Let me ask you, Grump, of the 77 guys, how many do you think we had drafted? That are on injured reserve? They're on, no, on the current roster. They're oh, on, on the... Either on the current roster or on injured reserve of those 77. Um, 30, 29, 28. We have 30, we have 37 guys, 48, okay. 48% of the roster was drafted by the giants. Yeah. So I knew it wouldn't be very high. Yeah. So, you know, there are currently seven first round picks, four second round picks, Five third round picks, and then it gets you know smaller and smaller. And then the years, like the, the the later you go in the draft, is the more recent they are. Like we don't have a lot of seventh round picks from the last six years, and that's understandable. These guys are fighting to make a roster to begin with, and they're probably be replaced by better draft picks going forward. So using that as kind of our baseline, I kind of went through each of the, the guys that we we're going to talk about and compared it to like what did what is the 49ers roster look like the construction Denver um, Arizona and to see like have they done a better job of developing their personnel that they, they draft because we, we both agree that the draft is the bread and butter of creating a roster you know you don't want to do what we've done in the last couple of years of just you know relying on free agency because it's expensive and you know you don't have the right the proper roster construction you know, you're spending more than you need to on a left tackle, which we had to do. You're spending a lot on a quarterback, which if people want Russell Wilson, don't seem to comprehend how expensive that will be. Um, so the first one I started with was Adam Peters. Adam Peters is currently the vice president for of player personnel for the 49ers. And Grump, as we go through this, we're going to see a lot of Vice presidents of player personnel and vice presidents of pro personnel. And I don't know the difference. Do you? I think player personnel involves all players. Pro personnel is around the league. Okay. Gotcha. That's um, my guess. That was that was how I interpreted the difference, to be honest with you. But, to be, but again, like these titles, they can have different responsibilities from franchise to franchise anyway. So they're mm-hmm. kind of just guesses on our part anyway. Okay. So he you know, started out in 2009. He was a, he came up through the Broncos, like the majority of his uh, exec, you know, executive career. He started out as, as a scout in 2009, a regional scout. Became a national scout from 2011 to 2013. Four, 14 and 15, he was the assistant director of college scouting. Then in 2016, became the director of college scouting. Then in 2017 to 2020, moved over to the 49ers, became the vice president of player personnel. Um, so ha- keeping that in mind, let's talk about the 49ers. So for the 49ers, for all of the guys that they have, how many, you know, they have on their current roster, 68 players. 
Of those, how many do you think were drafted? Uh, I would say it's in the 40s. 30. Oof. Okay. 44. Well, also, well, also, their GM, their current GM came in in 2017. So mm-hmm. that's fairly recently that might affect that in a positive and or negative way. You know what I mean? Like you might mm-hmm. have traded personnel for draft assets. So it's also long and enough where all those guys would still be on rookie contracts. We're going to get to that in a minute when we okay, talk about sorry, these sorry. other teams about that. But no, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, again, this is not a scientific thing. This is just, I was just trying to come up with a way to say. No, it's really cool. I actually wish I did that. I, I think that <laughs> I'm, I'm a little upset. That was, that was a pretty smart way to look at it. You know, what we'll do is actually maybe we'll post this up so people can see the the the, the, the information later. We'll we'll come up with something, but um, yeah, forty four percent of their roster is drafted, homegrown drafted. Uh, the one thing I didn't do, and maybe in hindsight I probably should have added to this, was include undrafted free agents. Yeah, it wasn't always easy to find all that information. Yeah, I mean. They actually were able to do that. They they just said if they're you know if somebody was not drafted, they just didn't have a, a draft team with them. But mm. again, you know that's most of those guys are guys who they just you know you pick up this year and they're gone next year. You're not seeing an undra- very rarely undrafted free agents have been on the roster for six years, for example. So I didn't think it was incredibly relevant either. Well, I mean, it depends if there's a Victor Cruz story in there. I mean. They would certainly, I would certainly credit them with something for that. Oh, sure, sure. But those are, you know, those are really those are decades. yeah, once a decade kind of stories. Okay, so that's Adam Peters. Um, the next guy. I wanted wait, to wait, talk wait, wait, real, oh. just real quick, just because, I just uh, I left you with the San Francisco guys on purpose, just so you know, because you're a little bit more dialed in than I am. Uh, how would you just describe uh, San Francisco's turnaround lately? Because you are more dialed in because your wife. <laughs> the lovely and talented SF Mad is a uh, San Francisco Giant fan, and I have to watch them every week. Um, that's your other Just Giants podcast. With that's the, <laughs> exactly. That's my Just SF Giants podcast, which you know, different colors, same layout. Stay, stay tuned for that one. <laughs> for sure. um, I feel like you know it's interesting that we played them in 2011 in the NFC Championship game, and it feels like a lifetime ago. And the regular uh, season, both times right. in Candlestick. But what but, but I'm saying, though, is like only in the period of 10 years, they've gone from, you know, <laughs> yeah. NFC Championship game to, you know, a dip to Super Bowl appearance to the dregs to, you know, a team is back in the playoffs again. And all the while, they've done it in different ways. You know, they had Colin Kaepernick, which was, you know, not a – a marquee draft. He wasn't like a, a top five draft pick or anything. They went the the was big, even in the first big, round. No, no. Then they went the way for a, a Jimmy Garoppolo, like a, a major trade involving lots of assets to get him. And now they're setting themselves for the future with Trey Lance, which they invested a first round pick, a very very high first round pick. And you know, while he's kind of percolating, you know, getting ready to be a starter at some point, they're back in the playoffs again and. They've had some significant injury issues this year, all the while. Uh, you know, I know what the career record of, of the head coach is, uh, but they just seem to be like a team that just does smart things. And uh, I well, except that Jimmy G contract. Well, I mean, it was kind of. <laughs> it's one of those things that if you're making, you know, the trade for him, you gotta have kind of have to do it. 
right? I, I get it. It just it's kind I, of, it's I kind remember of... it's like one of those nine eleven moments for me where I remember being in the like lunchroom at my job. I almost spit my food out of my mouth when I read the tweet of his contract. Yeah, but it's sort of like a Leonard Williams thing where you you know you make the kind trade, kind of got to pay him, got to pay him. You know, right, it's otherwise. It. And it's versus... a quarterback, so that that means it's a whole Brinks truck. Hey, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking back on, you know, he was, you know, New England has this great ability of sprinkling fairy dust on these quarterbacks that are backups, and they get great jobs, yeah. and you know, in, in the future, and uh, you know, again, if they, you know, if they beat Dallas this weekend, which I kind of think they might, you know, then they're in the second round. Who knows in this league, and you know, they have an asset then with, with Jimmy G, but, you know. Some team may be desperate for a quarterback and might take him. That team might be the team that we follow every week. Who knows? Um, all right, so let's stay in San Francisco. Hit me with Rand. Rand Carthon. I have a relationship, well, not a relationship with him, but I've known him now for 20 years. He was a Gator. That's I've the other him. Just Giants podcast is the relationship with Rand. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, you know, obviously, you know, longtime Giant fans remember his father, Maurice Carthon, running back, who was on the Super Bowl winning team against Buffalo. Um, he is in his first season as director of personnel. Um, he's been with the 49ers since 2016. He was the director of pro personnel from 2016 to 2020. So, um, again, not quite as long of a runway of, of experience. Um but he's getting an interview, and I think he's getting another interview somewhere else too. I think I just read before we uh, we came on too. So, uh, a young guy. I mean, he's probably in his early 40s. I mean, he played in he played at Florida in 2002, 2003. He was uh, a survivor of the Ron Zook era. Um, bounced around the NFL a little bit, uh, but again, you know, he's part of this organization. And I already gave you the numbers of what the 49ers are now. So. Um, I feel like he's getting an interview now, but he may not be ready for a general manager role just yet. Yeah, of those two, I would say the assistant GM and and, uh, college, uh, whatever, whatever Adam Peters' current responsibilities are, I'm more impressed by that, even though he's a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. Two years? Two years younger? 38 is is really young. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) It's very young. (laughs) Oh, by the way. I mean, to be the general manager of the New York Giants, to be, that's, that's, I don't know. That's crazy to think that that's like within my age range. That seems like such a level above me in maturity because it is. <laughs> well, maturity is a whole nother story. But. Wow. <laughs> um, let's. Um, I want to go back really quick to Adam Peters for a second because I wanted to give you the numbers for Denver because he was with Denver for eight years uh-huh. as a scout and all the way through. And you know we're going to use the same kind of equal metrics. You won the yep. Super Bowl with them, right? They won the Super Bowl with them. Uh, they currently have seventy-seven guys on their roster, including injured reserve. How many guys do you think are saw of that are on the roster are drafted guys uh, now uh, or then? Right now. Uh, right now, I would say probably close to thirty. Twenty-eight. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they're kind of in a in a shit spot right now. Mm-hmm. Now again, he's been he's been gone a little bit now, so it's it's not exactly the same thing. But just again, I'm trying to set baselines of what expectation is and. Again, comparing it to what the Giants are to what these teams – and it may not mean anything or it may mean something, but just trying to do some sort of comparison. Um, last guy I want to talk about, Adrian Wilson. Played with Arizona, 
majority of his career. Yeah, I think he had a couple of cups of coffee with uh, the Patriots in Chicago, I believe. Um, he's been with them since 2015, again, through the scouting uh, track. He was a regional scout in 2015, um, director of pro scouting, now is currently the vice president of pro scouting for Arizona. Another team, again, that uh, has a pretty significant uh, upturn in the last couple of years, pivoting, pivoting in mid-turn with, you know, a, a first-round draft pick for a quarterback to another first-round draft pick with hiring a, a new coach, pretty controversial move, and seems to be kind of working out pretty well for them. A coach right uh, out of the college ranks, too. They went it, young. They went bold. And not an incredibly successful one in college either. Like no, there was a bold not, move. Yeah, it was a very, very bold move. And uh, let's talk about them for a second. Uh, Arizona. Again, they have on their current roster 64 guys. Only 23 were drafted. That's interesting. But again, 35%. their turnaround is very recent. It's really with Kyler Murray. That's um, true. So we're talking about how, how they how they built this roster. I mean, they only have four first round picks on their current roster. Yeah, wow. That means that yeah, because Josh Rosen was the one before that, and probably nobody before Josh Rosen is left. Mm-hmm. So they just have the first round picks that they have since that time. Right, right, right. Without me actually looking at the roster and looking which those four are, that's my guess. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So. Arizona yeah. to me is is one of the more attractive, you know, when we talk about San Francisco and Tennessee and and these other organizations in Buffalo, uh, to me Buffalo and Arizona are the the two franchises that I think is more impressive, especially because Arizona flipped everything around and they're in a really tough division. You know, Buffalo does have to deal with New England, but they also get Miami and the Jets every year, so. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um yeah, so, I think that's pretty. It's very strange to think that Adrian Wilson is, you know, now GM material. I, I just never would have guessed that from his days. Again, I I don't know. Is there any Rooney Rule implications? Why some guys have to be interviewed at the general manager level? Right? We know that's the case for head coach. Is it for all executive level positions? I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. But also, you know, I'd seen that he's like Steve Kimes' right hand man. So like. I think he really is just really involved. I'm not. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. It just blows. No. It. I just one of those things. Like if you were going to tell me, you know, one player from your childhood is going to be in a front office, I, I don't know why Adrian Wilson. If someone suggested to me, I'd probably just say no way. Well, maybe it's something too. You know, there's a lot of horse trading going on with like agents. Also, it's like, okay, you really want this guy to have an interview? Well, you're gonna have to also interview this guy as well. I mean, it's 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 very possible that may be the case. Also, that's interesting. You know, if it's something that doesn't seem like, hmm, that's a little head scratching. There probably is a reason behind it, and that that could be a reason too. No, I I, I, th- I think they legitimately. I mean, I, I agree that could be a thing, but I think they legitimately looked at Arizona as a franchise that turned around, and mm-hmm. I think Adrian Wilson's name came up. I, I really I really do. Once I, I'd seen that he's Steve Kimes like right hand man, I think there's no and, way that his name didn't come up. And let's let's say something right off the bat. I know this has been a very, very bad month for the mayors. You know, Steve Mayor has been Who? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, John Mayor is <laughs> Steve Mayor. Steve Mayor has done nothing wrong. He's just sitting in somewhere in his house. John <laughs> John, John Mayor has had a very bad month. But John Mara 
is probably one of the three or four most connected owners in this league. He's grown up with this team, literally. He's 65 years old, I think, now. He's very involved with the league in general. I mean, he's, he's one of the very... first consulted with everything with Goodell and Jerry yes. Jones as well. So He is not the dolt everybody thinks he is. They have, you know... Maybe a little stubborn and maybe too, you know, insular in the Giants' way of doing things. But believe me, you don't get the power that a guy like he does, or a guy like Jerry Jones has, or you know, some of these owners, without having a lot of contacts, a lot of you know, relationships within the league. So, you know, we're looking at this analysis and we're thinking these are teams that kind of, you know came up really quickly. He, so he's not just some stupid guy who's like doesn't know anything. He he's aware of this information. He, you know, it also has relationships where he gets approval to speak to these guys. Like if there was somebody from Dallas that was interesting, you think he gets that uh, permission to speak to him? Probably not. So oh. I, I I wouldn't dismiss him as just a complete buffoon who doesn't know what he's talking about. It's gone poorly the last decade. You know, and he's, he has a public relations nightmare he has to deal with. But behind the scenes, you know, coming up with this list of the guys I've talked about, the guys you talk about, seems like a pretty impressive list. That list had to come from basically him, right? I mean, who's left? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, they, there are firms that can be hired to help with hiring things. Who knows? Okay. I mean, well, I, I, mean, I, I agree with you. He's not a buffoon. Um, I'm just, you know, you, you asked who else is left. I mean, they, they, people get hired to do this sort of thing, to help with this sort of thing. I, they did say that Ernie Accorsi was not contacted to help compile this list, which apparently he was contacted last time when they interviewed four peons and, and hired yeah. Dave Gettleman. Thanks so much, Ernie. Well, I mean, you want someone in the, in the family to help you find out who else in the family is available? The best I mean, person to ask is Grandpa? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... These are little green shoots we're seeing now of progress, and that's all. I guess we, so, yeah. That's I all have to look really, at it that way. All we can look at right now, because is until we get really concrete news, this is going to be a lot of rumor, a lot of conjecture, a lot of guessing. You're also going to hear a lot of noise. You're going to hear everybody, every writer, every blue check mark, every wise ass on Twitter is going to pile on this team. You know, right now they are the butt of every joke. I mean, if Johnny Carson was still on, I'm sure there'd be giant jokes on the Tonight Show right now. But you know, that's okay. But if we see little things of the things we've all been asking for is like independence and outside review, uh, casting the wide net, things like that. There are little tiny baby steps in the right direction. Now, what ultimately happens, only time will tell. But you have to feel a little better as a Giant fan tonight than you did last night. I hope. Can't I should hope so. I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. I do think there are green shoots here. But this news is traveling fast and furious, and these interviews are already underway. Some of them already happened today as we're recording this, which means by the time you listen to this, those interviews are already concluded. Someone might already be hired. So it was important that we get this episode done as soon as possible. So it's here for your listening pleasure. But to keep up with the news, some of this might be outdated. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He is at the cranky fan. The show is at just giants pod, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google play. And it is also on YouTube as well, where you can see our beautiful faces. That's going to be it for us guys. We'll see you next time. Go Giants!